0: Welcome to another episode of General Nerd Sense, the podcast from Shieldwall Productions, where we talk about anything and everything, oh, generally nerdy, hence the name. And on this episode, we have myself, John, and Jacob, and dear listeners. Since the saga of the Doctor has just come to a unexpected but zero percent surprising end, we thought this would be a reasonable time to kind of sit back and take stock of all the lessons we've learned in our time as tabletop role players. Yeah. Um. Because I'm sure Jacob has learned quite a bit from the. Uh, Adventures of the Doctor, both as a player and from watching his GM's struggles to deal with it. Yeah, and also we really haven't kind of covered things that we ourselves have personally learned in terms of lessons after doing all sorts of insightful topics of conversation. Like any good American, you know, family sitcom, we're
1: gonna reflect on what we've learned in this da episode. Da,
0: da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but. In all in all reality it was it was a fun campaign to go through and I I definitely did learn several things about myself and then just also this is one of the first campaigns I played in a while where I'm not the GM right so it's it was interesting again to take a look at it from a GM's perspective yeah and the things here and there that he did that I do or the things here and there that he did that I probably wouldn't do or just overall. Right. So, under the magnifying glass of, you know, this campaign, I'd, I'd definitely say, like, the top couple things I've learned, how to roleplay a chaotic neutral character. Because at you know, the end of the day,
0: kind of what the Doctor was.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, Vos, he wasn't really chaotic new, neutral. He's, like, maybe
0: true neutral. Right. Sort of. Maybe a. Um, yeah. If we're... Or
1: a neutral good. Or. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Maybe neutral impure. For Voss. Because, like. I mean, I'd say uh, moral. Just because, like, he was. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Moral and neutral. Yeah, because he wasn't impure. He wasn't, like, leaning towards the evil side, but he wasn't good. Right. Yeah. But. Overall in this campaign, like. I'm going to look at the doctor, because Voss was only there for several sessions before... What, like two? Yeah. Three? Before I decided it would probably just be better if I brought in a, a different character. That would mesh with the party a bit better, yeah. Yeah. And wasn't kind of leading the party head on. Right. Because that's another thing. I didn't want to take the entire
0: spotlight here.
1: Right. Um, Even though you
0: ended up kind of doing it anyway.
1: Yeah. When it's not like anyone else was. Very true. I mean... Once we got to Manolo, where he was just extra religious, it was like, okay, well, this took an u- unexpected turn, so we're going to do something
0: more interesting. Yeah.
1: But um, another thing I'd say I'd, I definitely learned with the Doctor was just how to roleplay that, like, body language in an expressive way. Right. Because of his, like, chaotic, neutral, not wanting to really, like, talk unless it was important, mm. you know... With, with chaotic neutrals, they're, they're, they're whimmed based, you know, they, they kind of do whatever they want to do. And at the end of the day, it, it is what it is, you know? Right. Um, So him not talking a whole lot was a little bit difficult because it was hard for me to fully get into character all the time. Mm-hmm. Because having to sit back and kind of be more reserved about what you want to do and what you want to think about doing was... And how, how you just want to word it is interesting. Right. But I definitely found, like, just that, you know, that head tilt and the shoulder posture mm-hmm. was, it, it did help. Yeah. I, I learned how to kind of role play, you know, who was he standing close to? How was he, like, leaning away from someone? Or mm-hmm. just all of that kind of to give more expression to his character. Right. Saying without words. Exactly. Because probably the most expressive thing he ever said was "fuck my laboratory's on fire." Right,
0: that was the biggest display of emotion the Doctor had really ever shown, um, other than when he, when the when the party had a tail. Yeah, and then you know he was, you know, on high alert, but it wasn't like particularly emotionally expressive.
1: No, he was just motivated to get this done. Right, which is also something that the Doctor wasn't really ever like. He wasn't motivated until he was ready to get rid of
0: the tail. Right. Um, and even then when he was motivated, like he was, you know, active and focused on getting rid of it, but he wasn't, again, very emotionally expressive. He was still yeah. kind of, you know, man of few words as a character. But then he you went know, back to the main city and the city's on fire, like, oh fuck my laboratory. <laughs> Like the most expressive, emotionally expressive he's, he's ever been,
1: and I mean that was really the closest it ever got to home with him. You know, his his, his laboratory is with, his home. Is his home, and if your house is burning down, now I don't really care who you are. You're gonna be like, oh, oh fuck. fuck!
0: Yeah, that is the appropriate response to a potential house fire, which I think really caught the party off guard. Mm-hmm. Was the sudden emotional panic?
1: Yeah, it was just the, oh
0: fuck, and then gallop, rides gallop, off.
1: Gallop, gallop, yeah. Because it was oh the city's on fire, oh fuck my laboratory's in the city. (laughs) Yeah, uh, which which the party really enjoyed seeing that like that he was still human,
0: right? Like like okay, there is still tech. Okay, there's an there's an actual human under that mask and robes. Yeah, because I mean really up until this point it was no one was really sure. Yeah, like everyone was like kind of just hoping that there was, but they hadn't no real information to confirm it i'm also
1: really glad the gm let me get away with the uh never seeing my face Mm -hmm. what i was kind of hoping and i was a little bit disappointed because i wanted the doctor just because i was kind of getting what the gm was hinting at like he would summon the lord of crows but i also wanted the doctor to just kind of get away Mm because what i was planning on doing is when shit was getting really fucked just go like get away from the combat Find, like, a random dead person, put the doctor robes on him, put the robes of whatever dead person that was, and walk out of the city. Because mm. at that point, no one would know what he looks like. Right. And I did have a description for him. Very pale waxy skin that just like never seemed to like ever see the light of day like cuz he's wearing the fucking mask and robe yeah, all the time. Yeah. Greasy, greasy, slick black a uh, slick back gra- uh, black hair and just like kind of a scrawny hollowed cheeks kind of expression. Mm-hmm. He he just would look at that point sort of like a peasant who had a job in maybe the sewers or a, a night shift or something. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I was kind of hoping that, like, as everything's going down and the doctor walks out, he's just—he just, he just kind of looks like a normal dude at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit odd, but not noticeably.
0: Right. But, but that'd be the kind of the poignant thing, just like this ultimately kind of <laughs> sort of monstrous, yeah, character, <laughs> human like everyone else. Exactly. I, I kind of wanted to
1: show that, but I mean, the GM really wanted to just wrap this up and get it over with, mm-hmm. um, which I, I was okay with. But
0: you did get a good ending.
1: Yeah, there was there was a good ending. Yeah. I honestly, like, until maybe the session before that, I wasn't really expecting any of this.
0: Right. I don't think really anyone
1: was. Because <laughs> again, I was what I had done with the doctor is I had just come up with a bunch of whims. So like. Every session, if he had a chance to work on one of them, that's what he'd work on for the yeah. session. If he didn't, he'd work on something else. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the session he got to put together his monstrosities, he put them together, and then he just kind of followed the wave that he created. Right. Which, at the end of the day, yeah, ended up doing something evil, but all his intention was really to build. I was a diversion. Yeah, like, build up those monstrosities, and he just kind of got carried away in the moment. Right. I don't think we talked about this on the last one, but uh, one of the things I did want to say was, you know, as, as he's going into the square, he had his lab, like his white uh, doctoring robes on mm. and his white doctor mask. And he was kind of conducting things with his doctoring stick, like a baton, and right. conductor's baton. And yeah, it was it was a fun moment because the party at that point was like, holy, because they weren't expecting it. Right. Until the moment I unveiled them, they were like, I don't know what I
0: expected. It wasn't that, but it makes sense. Well, the dwarf like was that everyone's just objective response, uh, like out of character response, yeah. just like, yeah, not sure what I expected. Wasn't that, but also not surprised. Funny enough, that kicked everyone into high gear for roleplay
1: because they were like, we weren't expecting that, but we're loving every second of this story right now. Because mm-hmm.
0: it's like, holy fuck, shit just got real. Yeah, I'm sure your game was rather furious. So that was the most interesting story they'd ever been. <laughs> Was a part that he had no hand in creating.
1: (laughs) Eh, I mean, as a GM, like, giving your players the tools to create that story. Right.
0: I mean, sure. He He, he created the setting and all that sort
1: of thing, all the context, but, like, he himself didn't craft the details. I think the GM was more annoyed that he had a more plausible ending for the story now. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it was just going to be like, oh, you saved the day. We did it, Patrick. We saved the city. Right. It's in flames, crumbling. (laughs) Building falls down. But now it was like, holy shit, this is, this is a climactic ending. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it, it was fun. I, I do have to admit, like, the, it was fun being a player again, getting to play in a party, practice my role-playing, mm-hmm. and make that character. Um, from, like, the player seeing the GM perspective, there were, I mean, that alone probably got me to be like okay maybe i should homebrew just a little bit less yeah because i don't get me wrong the gm had great ideas for homebrewing and like great rules that he'd build but he just like you know when you're an artist you never like are satisfied with what you make you're like i could, I could always change that and just the constant refining of things and... and i was like okay and and that's one thing i never like i'd homebrew but it would be rules here and there that i needed
0: not an entire system
1: yeah so i think that like, kind of set me off of homebrewing an entire system because, like, yeah, I don't have the time nor the motivation to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. And there are so many systems out there that just give you the building blocks anyway. Yeah, and, like, you can just take that system and just kind of tinker and refine what's in it already. And I think, like, also just
1: kind of the... It, it wasn't always coherent with, like, how you could progress your character. Right. It was just like, okay, we've kind of been playing the same characters for most of this game without, like... Any real Much, growth.
0: Yeah. Or leveling up or whatever. When,
1: and when most of your growth is just buying things instead of XP. Right. It's like, well... Yeah. So, I am excited to go into a D&D 5th ed. Because all I've really played of D&D is 3rd uh,
0: and 3.5. I feel like that goes for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of why regarded that 3.5 is the best one. Yeah. And, I mean, there's still... It wouldn't be our
1: campaign if we didn't have a little bit of homebrewing, but this time it's only characters, like character classes. Right. And the ones we're using we aren't making up on our own. We're going off a website that has – it's it's the one of the D&D wikis that has, like, community characters that people have built to be pretty – Balanced. Like, yeah. Yeah, reasonable. So, and with that as well, I I now – this after doing the the doctor, it's like okay, time to adjust the comic balance. Yeah, I I did a pretty like horrible character. I want to do a nice character now. Mm-hmm. Just gonna go a complete opposite direction just to keep all of my friends guessing. Yeah, and another thing, uh, with the doctor, just due to like kind of his character, I didn't have a whole lot of backstory for him. Right. Because really nobody knows who he is. They don't even know what he looks like. That was kind of the point. And honestly the backstory I had for the doctor was pretty much that. Nobody really cared about him until he put on the mask. Well done. <laughs> nobody, nobody cared until I put on the mask. But really though. Yeah. And like kind of pulling back the curtain, all his character backstory was, was he'd lived a pretty normal peasant life until there was a plague and they needed doctors and, you know, going from whatever menial job he was doing, became a doctor, and he's given power. And as a lot of people do when they're given power, they want more. They want more, but they don't know what to do with it.
0: Right. Which, the answer is, not that. Yeah. Not not what the doctor did. Not exactly. what the doctor did. You don't do it. If you don't know what to do with power, just think, mm, well, I'll definitely, I shan't do what the doctor did. Yeah. That's step one. I shan't do that. I mean, it made, go from there.
1: it made for a good, chaotic, neutral backstory yes. of, you know, it's this man who doesn't really know what to do with power. But he's got it. But he's got it.
0: He's just doing whatever comes to his mind. hmm Yeah. At that point, in that kind of context, she's like, well, almost no surprise the campaign ended the way it did. Yeah. It's just going to keep spiraling and spiraling and spiraling until it got to that point. Yeah. Now...
1: Also, I did learn how to surprise the GM with another ending. I've never been quite able to do quite what I did, where it was like, play, uh, player three has entered the game. I was like, what? Because <laughs> even the DM at that point, because it wasn't until, like, really quite at the end where I was like, oh, yeah, while, while like, you know, the Your Harbingers... are vi-
0: are vying for the city. A new challenger approaches.
1: <laughs> you know, while, while the Harbingers are doing this, I just want... Uh, K to raise some dead just for the hell of it. And then it started to spiral. The DM was like, I expected nothing, and I'm, yet I'm still disappointed.
0: Right. Hmm. Yeah. Um.
1: Now, I did learn with that little backstory how to try to kind of roleplay him as a complex character. Right. Because a lot of times what I do with characters is I will try to sit down and... And I'll go from an idea, and then I'll kind of add just more and more and more as I keep going. Whether or not, like, I have I have maybe a page of backstory worth of material by the time I start playing the character and have it expand as I go on. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I do try to keep it coherent, and I do have GM-approved things. But I role-playing with little backstory, I, I was still trying to make him a complex character, not make him right. two-dimensional. right. And I I kind of fumbled at first because at first, really, all he was doing was kind of being that low random character, which I didn't want because I hate that my, you know, when a character is low random, I wanted him to be more complex. And that's when I came up with the whim system and also just make him seem not like a brick wall. Right. Have him actually have expression when he's talking to you. Make him seem like, you know, he actually does care about these people he's been with. Sort right. of in his own way, yeah. You know, just messes up their names every once in a while to make <laughs> sure they don't think he cares. Right, <laughs> I did that with Manolo, mm-hmm. uh, which which was funny. But overall, like, I don't know, the Doctor was a fun character to play, but I don't know, I I didn't like the full chaotic neutral. Yeah, I I didn't find it as rewarding for his character. In terms of character growth. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, at the end of the day, is just kind of chaotic neutral. Yeah. Like, unless you're going to chaotic good, if you're staying in the chaotic neutral, I mean, you're not really going anywhere. Right. Which, I don't know. was It was good from a role-playing perspective. Just as something completely new that you hadn't done before. Yeah. I did find out with Voss, though,
0: that not being able to do combat is just something I... In a party that's kind of... You know, party slash campaign that's going to have a lot of it. And
1: and that's the thing, is, like, this GM, he puts combat missions in there. Because we all like combat missions, but very few people have combat-centric characters. Right. Which was, when I came in with Vos, was just like, Ah, oh, shit, I'm part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, having character at least... Be semi uh, competent in they can combat. At least hold their own. Yeah, like even the doctor. Like he wasn't combat focused, but he could still heal people and also come up with random things. Right. I did enjoy role playing Voss purely because it was like I could just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Yes. Because I I had that voice for a while, you know it's, it's the Voss voice. It's always what I make fun of when I'm in Chicago. I'm I'm from Chicago, guys. Yeah. So I've I've had that voice forever and like with that you can just kind of keep adding on things and just right. like kind of do that spiral out of control with that like city gangster sort of voice. Sure. But it that not having the ability to do combat did kind of hurt.
0: Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit much of a handicap. Yeah. Like being it'd be one thing to only be good at a certain kind of combat. But to not really be good at combat at all, the campaign where that's happening, where combat's happening a lot, well, maybe
1: rethink that. I know the next handicap I'm doing for my next character for his upcoming campaign, illiterate. Yeah. Which I think will be fun for the sole reason that most medieval people couldn't really read and write that well, Mm -hmm. and. You know, it's it's not going to be that difficult, because as long as I can talk, which, you know, most medieval people could, mm-hmm. he can talk, he just can't read or write. He's right. been a soldier for his entire life, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of the uh, Vermintide character Marcus Kruber, the, mm-hmm. the Imperial Mercenary. When you're going through one, uh, one map, one mission where you're in a wizard's tower, coming through the library, one of his random dialogue was just like, ah, books. Never did trust him. Never learned to read. I don't trust books or anything written on paper. <laughs> Just because he's a soldier, he didn't need Dad. to trust anything written on paper. Like he could trust the swing of a sword and his comrades at his side. That's all he really cared about. <laughs> Never did learn to read. I don't trust books or anything written on paper.
1: Yeah. So I, I've decided to keep my handicaps a little less like group hurting because at the end of the day, not being Happen able to, be to personal do personal handicaps, not party handicaps. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, really, not being able to fight is more of a group handicap than it is a personal handicap. Mm. That, with Voss though, that really did teach me to think on my feet of ways I could fight but not fight. Right. So, I mean, the horse scenario that spiraled out of control. But it was a good idea, release a large animal who's, like, skittish right and it, and a little panic in a small space that, yeah that there's also fighting and
0: loud noises going on right I mean on paper it was a good idea and technically it worked it just got away from you exactly
1: so um but also like just his character overall with the fights and the stuff he got into he was always just on his feet thinking which I did kind of like and kind of brought into the doctor yeah which was like what if I do this
0: yeah, improvisation is a good thing to have in a character. Yeah, and hey. sometimes as a role player, you kind of need to anyway. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's something your character would necessarily do, is still something that you will probably end up needing to do in character, regardless, just to progress things along. I wish with here to tell the story because he tells it better. Because it's something that he was doing when he was playing an orc character mm-hmm. that was like, I think either very close to or had negative intelligence modifiers, so like dumb as shit, but the beat stick. Um, when, when there was the they were coming, the party was coming across riddles, but it was one, of, one of the, the situation where the GM's like, okay, roll it, see if you solve. Like, no, the GM wanted them to actually solve the riddles, and mm-hmm. none of them knew it, knew the answers. But he did. <laughs> so he's like, how do I say this in character in a way that isn't metagaming or game breaking, whatever? Um, and one of the riddles, like the answer was water, and he's just, like, chicken skin. He's like, I'm out of water. Door opens. Next one, the answer was you know the letter E, and he's like, just bores. He's just start going Door opens. All stuff that the orc would do in character... <laughs> yeah. Just to progress the plot, because the rest of the party didn't know how to progress the plot. Exactly. And
1: having that improv, is, it's fun to do. Yes. Because you're like, okay, I know I can do this, but I can't do this with my character. How can I make my character do this?
0: Right. In a way that is in character, that isn't metagaming, that isn't directly trying to address the problem that's being, that the character is being presented with. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, the first
1: taste I ever had with that was when... Uh, we were playing that Dark Heresy game that I first played with a group of friends in college. Because what had happened is, group of fr- one of my friends was like, "Hey, you like 40k, right? You know a fuck ton about it." Yeah, this is GM I know who's running a Dark Heresy campaign that he invited me to join. I could have you come along too. It's like, oh fuck yeah! Yeah, I haven't played D D in
0: oh, years. Yeah.
1: So, uh, in that one, it was the situation where the Psyker tried to slam a door and summoned a demon. <laughs> tried to slam a door but opened a different one. Yeah. So now we had a demon and after we had killed it we still had all the hobos in the building. I'm like, "You know what? Fuck it. I'm just burning it down. We're in a bad part of the city.
0: No one will miss these people. <laughs> a homo uh, a hobo. sorry, a hobo.
1: Pff, fuck. Wow, Jacob. <laughs> I can't I can't words speak tonight. Well,
0: this morning. It's this morning. It's night for me. That's a good point.
1: Yeah. But regardless, uh, all these hobos in the building, I was like, fuck. I, you know, if I let them out, <laughs> I'm going to get, like, we're all going to get screwed because they're all going to tell everyone that there was a demon. And what do people in the Imperium.
0: Not like other people, not like their citizenry doing. Yeah. So, it's I talking mean. talking about demons.
1: Modern day, like, a hobo comes up to you and says.
0: There, there was a demon, a demon in the warehouse. Like,
1: okay, I'm sure there was, buddy. All right, moving on. In the 40K, though, there was a demon in that building. Oh, fuck all kinds of duck.
0: Right. Not because there's a demon, but because one of the citizenry knew that demons exist.
1: Also because the Inquisition- But also because there was a demon. Also because where there's demons, there will be the Inquisition. Which, yeah. in that case, was also correct because we were part of the Inquisition. <laughs> yes,
0: so the panic wouldn't be- it wouldn't be wrong in any regard. Oh, fuck demon, oh, fuck the, demon, the citizenry knows about demon, No oh, fuck the Inquisition will be here. Yeah. So, all of these are correct responses to things that are actually happening.
1: Yep. So, I, I just burned down the building, and everyone's like, why would you kill all these innocent hobos? And I was like, because they- They're going to blow our cover. They, they're going to blow our cover. And also, you know, that's what a good Inquisitor does. hmm Yeah. I mean, it is. Yeah. I mean, that-, that camp- No witnesses. That campaign, campaign, like, solely taught me, though, that D&D groups are finicky. Yes. And that is- Or they can be. They can be. And that one, like, after a couple sessions, just kind of fizzled out. Yes. Which... It happens. It happens. And it's it's always sad to see, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But at the same time, it was like, well, I guess I'll have to go DM my own. Right. Like, and that's and that's what honestly got me into DM... Well, like, just being a GM or DM, you know, it's... Mm. I'll GM my own... Well, this ain't gonna work, then I'll start my own adventure with Blackjack and hookers! <laughs> uh, and then, you know, as being a first time gm as as it happens, you know, the first group went out in a absolute blaze of glory in the first session as they do. Did I ever talk about that that campaign? Yes. Oh god. I believe so. Yes. And that's when I learned, you know, I needed to have a set of rules. And if players don't know the rules, they get the rules resent to them because in every like folder cuz I do All my management on Google Drive. I I love Google Drive. So I always have a folder where I'll send my players for the rules or, you know, if they need a character sheet. Mm -hmm. But in there, I always have the list of rules. Right. Because there's rules. There are rules. And, you know, if if – These aren't the rule book rules. If if a character breaks those rules, they get a warning. If they keep getting warnings, then they get more action. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't work, you know.
0: It's like, okay, thanks for playing, get out.
1: Yeah, so, like, making players uncomfortable or just, like, things like sexism or racism or, you know, like, if you're being an asshole to the other group's, like, party members, which that dude was being uncomfortably sexual with someone, I was like, okay, no, this is... Hard stop to this, yeah. Yeah, which, I, I don't know, I I'm I'm not happy that it happened, I'm glad I... I got to learn from it, though.
0: Right. Like, it wasn't ideal that it happened, but you did pull the silver lining out of learning from it.
1: Yeah. Which a lot of times is, y- you fail a bunch of times a lot in D&D trying to get things right, but once you get them right... You get them right. You get them right. And yeah. And it's not as hard after that.
0: Right. Yeah, it is kind of a bummer that they need to have a rule set, like, hey, don't make other people uncomfortable with your role play. Yeah. But... But, I mean, that's just... That's how things are in general, like... Right, but, like, we can... One of the rules shouldn't be be a decent human being. That should just kind of be a given anyway. That's literally the first three
1: rules of my rules, I think, are just don't be a dick.
0: Don't be a dick, don't make people uncomfortable, and thirdly, don't be a dick. I can actually pull up the rules real quick. I mean, yeah, well, why not? Because stuff we've learned. Yeah. Um, I'm towing the edge of the soapbox here. I'm gonna to try to stay off of it because it's a conversation for a different day. Yeah, but at the end of the day, when it comes to especially when it like kind of new, groups where everyone is like familiar with each other, but it's kind of first time playing with each other. You know, there's unknown elements, whatever that sort of thing. Like I feel like these are rules that should be in place anyway. If there's two or more people who already know each other, it's like okay, let's. Set some ground rules up, and I mean, like, and also, it should just be a thing that groups make me do a better job of as a whole, because you can teach people to be better and decent human beings in tabletop role playing settings. You won't need to teach people to be better and decent human beings in tabletop role playing settings.
1: Yeah. So my rules. I, I I went uh Bill and Ted's excellent adventure on this. Be excellent to each other. So don't be a dick. Yes. Two GM's word is law. Mm. Three, the campaign is intended to be played as a cooperative game, highlighting the story's path of adventurers. To that end, characters should generally agree on actions taken by the party as a whole. Characters may not be perfect, but are generally assumed to be the good guys. Right. They are the da- uh, big damn heroes, and although they may make occasional bad decisions, they yeah. don't try to make the world the worst place. Right. I mean, there
0: are there is exceptions to that. Sure, but I mean, right? If the party alignment is generally on the evil side of the spectrum, well, I mean, mm-hmm. the whole goal is to make the world the worse place. Yeah,
1: no cheating. Be respectful of others' choices. Pay attention. Which was not necessarily the character that was doing the bad things,
0: but I noticed people were on their phones. And we've said it once. We'll say it a thousand times until we are blue in the face. If you are. In a tabletop role-playing setting, put your goddamn phone down. Yeah. And, like, that is just... If you must ha- be able to know when your phone is going off, put it on vibrate. And then, if, you bu- if it buzzes, mm-hmm. check. If it's not an emergency, put it away again. Yeah. And, I
1: don't know, it's just a respect thing. Like, everyone here is sitting and playing. But, but you know, we're trying to have fun. Mandatory fun. Pacing. 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 Um, Rate I... of play. Rate of play. Rate of play. On top of that, you know, no negativity. No metagaming. I I put this in, and I should practice what I preach more. But no quotable media. Yeah, it's hard though. It it's it really is. I try to keep at least the quotable media, you know, like relevant sort of, but not like saying this was huge when Rick and Morty was out. But blah blah dub dub and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And I was like, oh god, I have to hear this one more time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Be clear about in-game talk versus out-of-character out of, ga- out of character talk. Um, no in-game talk without the DM knowing. Which, it, it sounds weird, like if you're passing a note to another player. Mm. Whatever that note is passing, um, you know, the DM should know about it. Right. Now, th- this isn't like a huge controlling thing, and I'm not going to stop people from passing notes to each other, because... Party members do need to talk to each other like without talking to other characters. To the rest of the party, right. But, you know, CC the DM in on it. I learned that from the previous campaign I was in where, like, two of the players were passing notes to each other, and the DM was, like, just whatever. And then, like, I heard from one of my friends afterwards that it was something really weird and stupid. I was, like, about what their characters were doing. I was, like, mm. "No." <laughs> if If this happens, I'm going to just... Nope. Cut of the that. head off right away. None of that here. I thought we were here to have fun. Yes. But not like that. <laughs> no Calvin balling. No up rules on the spot. Yeah. And uh, don't be drunk. Yeah. It's okay if you have a beer. Like I, I, I'm a full supporter of beer and dice games. Just... You need to be able to, what, to remember what happened that session. Yeah. So. And... I've, I've added a couple of those rules. Like, I think the Don't Be Drunk one was uh, the next campaign I was in, where uh, there was the Obscura Addict, where, like, I was the DM.
0: Mm. And one of the
1: characters, I think a lot of the reason he made some of those decisions was... Because he showed up drunk? Probably a bit too drunk. Yeah. He, he hides it well. I, I gotta give him that. But he, sometimes your character actions might be influenced the person making those character decisions might be influenced.
0: Right. Sometimes character actions might be indicative of an intoxicated state on the player's part. Even if the player themselves seems to be relatively coherent. Yeah. It's like, oh, they seem fine. But their their character is doing stuff that definitely indicates that they are... And when the DM starts drinking, (laughs) this is
1: why daddy drinks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, that's... I, I always knew shit was getting real in this campaign when the DM's like, "I need to go grab a beer," <laughs> <laughs> and things always got infinitely more interesting after that beer. Right? He's like, "Okay, I need to get on the level of this. I'm gonna dumb myself down real quick." <laughs> uh, funny enough, I that GM he improvises like no other when he's had a couple beers.
0: Yeah, and on the again back on the note of improvisation improvisation both that you know not just as a character but a low key hype machine here we've been doing a little bit of in house tabletop role playing stuff I won't say anything more than that because the announcement hype, was hype, 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 hype. but it's been my first go at at being GM and um, I had a fair amount of notes for how the session was going to go and I got to use about half of them <laughs> because of this one here. And I was thinking on my feet quite a bit, and I definitely hope it doesn't come across in the recording. <laughs> but I also know now, have just more notes. More notes. More notes to kind of give you prompts for how to improvise, because you can have the best laid plot for a session that you can possibly craft, but it will not survive first contact with the I mean, players.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and that really is true. As a DM, I'm I'm, I'm glad you're... You've, you've, you're starting to figure this out really early, and I think I even told you. But
0: I figured it out halfway through that recording. I was like, I did not come prepared. I, I think the
1: week before, maybe the day of, I, I was just talking to him like, I am sorry, but you got to remember, players are stupid. We don't do it on our own choices, yeah. mm-hmm. but even if the path is as clear as day to you as the GM, your players are not going to be able to understand it and are probably going to do something stupid. Right. Just because that is the player's nature. I'm not even immune from it, and I GM a lot. Right. Players do
0: dumb things because when we GM don't film know and not hats. They forget all the things about like just obvious. I should do this instead of this dumb decision. I
1: like, mean, it it does help being a GM, but honestly, you still can't help it because ultimately, you're if you're doing it correctly, you're role playing it from your character's
0: perspective, and sometimes your character's not as smart as you. Yeah. You does not have as much wits about them as you might. And your character is probably quite a few IQ points below the GM. And ultimately the character doesn't know what you or the GM know. Yeah. So they wouldn't know to make that decision anyway. It goes to the point of mitigating meta gaming. Yeah. And not being that guy. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a big
1: one. But, like, overall, a lot of it of the things I learn are just, like, small things here and there that I kind of add to my library of, mm-hmm. okay, I, I need to do this when this happens, and... And I had a little bit of that, but I needed way more of that. Yeah. It's... It can be hard to, like... And it... Honestly, it's, at the end of the day, just experience. Yeah. But... Yeah. yeah. um Other things I learned with The Doctor... Oh, well, this isn't so much as a doctor, but with Voss, I learned a much better inventory management system. Oh, yeah. Where I keep a record of all my transactions. <laughs> so, and what I do is I always make my character sheets in Google Google Sheets, which is more or less just Excel. Yep. But with that, I just, every time I buy something, I say, you know, minus whatever currency for item. Mm. Which actually... I found is super helpful for helping you remember things that happened. Cause a lot of times it's hard to brute memorize what happened, but if you're like, I knew I bought something. Right. Okay, I bought this. Okay, I did this because this was going on, it helps. And yeah. also it's a much better way to keep track of your inventory. Mm. And in that so it's just almost like a kill feed in a game. I do like minus this if I like used an item minus this how much money i gained this then i put that in my inventory right helps me keep track of things so much better because i'll be like how the fuck did i get this where, where did this
0: even come from also what is this and why is it faintly glowing and humming should i even <laughs> be touching this yeah like i pulled it out of the bag of holding and it was just there like is this plot important like should i not be touching it with bare skin it doesn't seem to be affecting bare skin but should i not be doing it anyway <laughs> Uh like is this something that maybe I shouldn't be touching? Like is it gonna start exerting its will over me? Should I not wear this? On a on a so- I found this amulet. should I put it on or will it then be wearing me instead?
1: On a somewhat funny note, I, I have the same thing at work where there are these things called cavi wipes, which mm. are like disinfectants. What they are is it's a chemical that like once it comes into contact with like biological material. Like, it'll kill any, like, microbacteria bacteria, and I think it's like three minutes. Yeah. And for whatever isn't killed by it, that's what bleach is for. Right. But I, I'll, I'll wipe, sometimes I'll wipe something off and I'll just use my hand instead of, like, put on, putting on a glove. And the the look on nurses' faces when they see me having, like, wiping something off with a cabby wipe when I have no glove on, they're just, like, horrified. You're going to get cancer. Oh, a little bit of cancer never killed anyone. <laughs> but, I, I mean, mean it, is... it doesn't burn my skin. Objectively
0: speaking, a little bit of cancer doesn't kill. It's when you get a lot of bit of cancer that it actually kills yeah. you. And, I mean, like, it doesn't
1: hurt on my skin. Like, I, I think it might be a carcinogen. So I just wash your hands. Yeah. Probably isn't good for it. But at the same time, I've gotten these sweet calluses.
0: Yeah. Probably has something to do with it.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, like... But I'm not the medical expert here, Jacob. You objectively know more about medical stuff than I do. I know it's probably bad for me, but I do it anyways. Much like how player characters do <laughs> stupid things. I <laughs> tied it back You brought it back around! That
0: was good. That you was gotta good. give that, that was, Yeah, that was a good segue <laughs> back to, you know, getting back on topic, yeah. Brought back around. <laughs> if we can do more changes like that, that'd be golden. Sadly, it's like, well, anyways... Right, a lot of the times then would, but anyway, but this time we brought it back around. Yeah. That's
1: character growth. I was surprised I got away with several things during this campaign, though, like all the peasant beatings. Like when I first beat a peasant, I was like, I should not be getting away with this beat, 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 beat. And then the GM was like, okay. So I guess from that, I've learned if you give your players a little, they'll take a lot. Right, give them an inch, they'll take a mile. But at the same time, it, there was some pretty fun things.
0: You give them a book, they'll raise an army.
1: Yeah. Now, like, what I did kind of learn, there are some times where, as a GM now, if the action is too ridiculous, I will not let a 20 or a 1 allow it. Right. Seducing a horse, and that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I've also kind of learned... I mean, I wasn't really the character completely at this, but make less abrasive characters.
0: Yeah, that. <sighs> feel like that's almost a topic unto itself, but also kind of not really. Yeah, like there's a lot to be said there, but there's a, that's also kind of just that's, that's just like the less abrasive a character, the more fun you and everyone else is going to have. Yeah, and like it's one thing to be a little bit of a snarky asshole but when Mm -hmm. like you take every opportunity to just lace the conversation with snark and sarcasm to the point where like it's not funny it's just annoying and abrasive like that's when okay you've made it to an abrasive of a character but if you're just a little bit witty Mm -hmm. that's fine yeah
1: and i think like we we lost one no two characters i think because of that um this campaign uh, one of them is coming back to play. Yep. So this time around, like, I'm going to make the least abrasive character I can. And I I kind of just want to, like, harbor some goodwill. And just make people, like, happy and want to play. Refill the coffers of goodwill.
0: So I can help them eventually. Right. Just so it's all, the, it's all the more bitter when you turn it around again.
1: But also, I mean, like
0: sometimes you just need to play a fun good-hearted character just to do something nice nice for the sake of nice yeah. actually you guess, you're, well, I guess your crazy is nice for the sake of nice because you need to restore the balance of nice in the world and also you know it's I, I like playing
1: unique characters and if I'm always playing kind of like the plotting like has
0: something going on behind the scenes sort of character mm-hmm. it's it just gets too repetitive Right, and that also goes back to one of the topics we've had in some point, just stepping outside your comfort zone. Yeah, um, I'm gonna love it with you, listeners. I've only played in one, two, three, technically three or four different tabletop mm-hmm. role playing sessions. Never a full campaign, which is a fucking bummer. Actually, now about four or five, a couple of which were in the same campaign, um, and only one of them was I not the kind of barbarian, Viking, berserker type. Yeah. But I also got some leeway with that. Just be, I let myself have some leeway with that because I hadn't found, I hadn't done that to death yet in terms of my <laughs> tabletop role playing experiences. Um, like I played the urban berserker for one session, then someone else took over for a different setting. We did Dungeons and Dragons for War, Pathfinder for one, and then when next next one was um, uh, World of Darkness or something like that. The vampires and werewolves and stuff like that modern society, and they had me as like a like biologist of some sort. I wasn't the combat character at all. And I was bummed about that, because I liked being a combat character. And there was one of those ones where like, you know, they handed out pre-generated characters for everyone. You know, they wanted everyone to have mm-hmm. the character that they had in mind, because they had a story that they wanted to tell that requires these characters. And everyone was fine with it, except for one person made enough of a stink about it that they got to do their super cool ZO samurai-style ah. character, again, for the umpteenth time. And I asked, like, you know, I was just like, why can't I be the, Why can't I, be about and I was like, because I want these two characters. I was like, oh, okay. And I just rolled with it. Yeah. Like, ultimately, I should have had... Objectively speaking, the new player should probably get to play the character they want to play. Yeah. Instead of the character who the person who always plays the character they want to play, all the time. But I'm not bitter about it because it's just get, it's like okay, this is what it's like playing a different character, whatever. I was just I and was just fun. I was just happy to be there. Yeah, and it's fun to play something different. Yes. And one after that was someone did the same eight world doctors, whatever. I was a, definitely a combat bruiser, mm-hmm. but I wasn't the barbarian. I was the um, pugilistic pit fighter <laughs> with Jeff, giant. Fucking enormous, like like the biggest human I could possibly be, with two fuck huge sawed off shotguns strapped mm-hmm. to my boots, and that was my finishing move. That weren't, they weren't for combat. Those were that was for when enemies were down, and I stood on their chest and pulled it. Well, the barrels were pointed at their throat. It was an awesome finisher, and I got to fucking use it. No one else knew that was my finisher. Only me and the DM knew it. And I did that, and everyone was like, no fucking way! And like, like that's when the party came in on me, like, mm-hmm. in this pit fighting thing, because they're coming to, that's how they're gonna encounter me, save me from, like, an underground vampire pit fighting me, and they see me do that finish, they're like, who the fuck is, like, the team? like, that's who you're here for! And they're like, yes! Yes! <laughs> uh, and I go back to the Viking thing, I was like, I'm gonna do this a bit more interesting, instead of just kind of a, um, bloodthirsty berserker type. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be the kind of a Viking barbarian, whatever, but, like, more subtly into going to throw some PTSD into the mix. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Drinking problems. Yeah. Instead of just, I'm just kind of boisterous all the time. It's like, no, I drink to forget. <laughs> <laughs> I drink to forget. I've lost two families. One that was uh, born to, the other one that adopted me. And fuck elves. Mm-hmm. God damn it, fuck those elves. <laughs> uh... I, also, fuck magic, Just generally speaking. I'm, I'm, I don't trust psychers. I don't trust mages, because I played too much Warhammer. I see how badly it goes. I don't care, that's not how it works in Dungeons & Dragons. You can't unlearn me that. Uh, fuck magic. That's...
1: I, I think I'll be hard-pressed to ever fully play, play a magic character. Even though you kind of did on accident with the doctor anyway. He wasn't magic, though. He had no ability to, like, cast magic. Not magic, it's medicine! <laughs> but even that, like... That, like... Magic is always associated with bad things happening to me. Demon Lord Crow gets summoned from magic. And yeah.
0: I guess it did kill you. Or no, yeah. you died and then got summoned. Okay. But it didn't happen to you, it happened because of you. But I've also had a psyker
1: do things that caused a plague demon to get summoned. Ample amounts of flame it. Yeah. That's that's what I did, just flamer. Yep. Fire oh,
0: the cause and solution to all of life's problems. Uh, sometimes it's both the cause and the solution. That's what I've just said, Jacob. The cause, fire. The cause and solution to all of life's problems. Yeah. Sometimes you need to make it look like an electrical thing, though. <laughs> uh. Depends on if there's insurance money involved. <sighs> Unsound business practices advice,
1: courtesy of Shieldwall. Funny enough, also my uh, GM learned. This that he he can't do multiple gaming sessions at once. No. He uh, he had another group and he's like, you know, honestly, my heart isn't in this group mm. and I don't have enough time to run two groups. Yeah. So he's now another player in another group, which I think is good
0: because now he won't get burned out on GMing.
1: Yeah, it's as a GM. I, the amount of work I put in, I don't think I could do two, more than one group. Yes. And GMs know thy limits. Like, you can be a player in multiple groups, because that's relatively easier to get into mindset and to get into a singular character than, like, being in control of an entire world. Right. Yeah. And that group just pretty much turned into playtesting the new rules for his group. (laughs) Other group. So he's like, you guys want to just play 5e and have someone who's good at 5e run
0: this? Yeah, sure. Done. So uh, yeah, know your limits. Know your limits. I think that about covers what we've, yeah. everything we've learned. So I mean, not everything, but what, what we can, what we've learned so far that is relevant to bring up. Yeah, that we can think of on the spot, five minutes before recording, Yeah, <laughs> ten minutes, whatever. Yeah. Point is, more lessons to be learned, and more that we haven't quite recalled because learning is a process and t- and, pro- and it takes up memory. <laughs> Indeed. And our memory is not very good, Jacob. My memory
1: is not. Sometimes it depends what it is. Right. A lot of it gets overridden with useless stuff.
0: Pretty much. Anyway, dear Shield Bearers, we want to hear the lessons you've learned in your Time Tabletop Roleplaying, whether it's as a GM, as a player, or as a little bit of both. To share what you've learned in your Time Tabletop Roleplaying, head on over to our Facebook page, ShieldWall Productions at Facebook.com. Oh. Or head on over to our Twitter at the official SWP, whether or not you want to
1: bring me any Things you've learned, or you know, just want to shoot the shit and talk. I'm more than happy to do that as well.
0: Indeed, and wherever you're listening to us, too, be it iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever, do not forget to subscribe if you're not subscribed already. And until next time, we shall catch you later. Toodles.